Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Well, hello. Once again, I'm in this in my odd area this morning. Got to do something about this empty space right here. Um, got a picture of me and my mom right there. Good morning. Um, welcome to Revolution. We are going to be hitting Galatians four today, so we made it. Um, Hope you guys are having a good weekend. So I'm trying this new thing where I put this out on our social media that we're live to see if anybody will watch. I feel like Twitter has been like the biggest letdown. <laughs> you know, like, good morning. Like, um, I feel like no one on Twitter cares about talks at all. Let's just leave your little fun message and then move on. Yes, we are surviving, aren't we? Um, my my daughter Minnie got was really sick yesterday, so I had to go pick up uh, my son from jujitsu and go grocery shopping for their mother because sweet Minnie had the flu, I think, and. Um, it's so sad when kids are sick, but they're also so stinking cute. They can be so stinking cute when they're, well, not when they're throwing up, but after they throw up and then they're cozy and warm and, oh my gosh. You know, and you feel bad because they don't feel good, but they're so cute. I, I can't, the contradiction. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because I think over the years of doing the book of Galatians, um, oh no, your daughter's sick too. I have a feeling I'm going to be sick next. I always catch everything the kids get. Um, I'm like a germ sponge. Bring your children to me and I will take their colds. Um, I was so tired this morning when I woke up. I did not want to get out of bed. It was like, felt so warm and cozy and man, I didn't want to get out of bed. But here I am, Galatians 4. Um, so I was going to say is about Galatians 4. Um, has not always been my, you know, it's my favorite book, but my least favorite part of my favorite book. But as I've grown to understand it more and uh, realize that it was something that, you know, the Gauls and the Judaizers would have been a little bit more familiar with than we are, it started to make more sense to me and when I started to study it more. So I'm going to try to make it, you know, I'm going to try to make it better for, for us, more understandable for us today. Um, we'll see. I don't know if you guys saw that um, last week I did an interview 
with Zoe and um, it was really, really good. And I was like one of the my favorite interviews I've done in a long time. So if you're going like, how do I find it? Um, you go to Zoe's Instagram and check it out and uh, watch, watch it because it was really good. And they asked me really good questions and they kept me on, me on track with their, with their uh, agenda. And I mean agenda in a positive way. <laughs> Isn't it so funny that agenda has become like a bad term? Because <laughs> we've all seen so many people use their agenda. Um, yeah, it's very good. It's really, really worth it. Um, trying to figure out a way that we can get the audio down so we can put it on our podcast. Because I would love to have it up on the Revolution podcast. Because I think um, on you know like on our all our podcast places. Because I think it's really good, and I think um, Zoe helped capture a good side of me that I you know a good a part of me that I think was. Really, I mean, I just, I don't know. It was good. I enjoyed it. I don't know what to say. A good part. Something that I don't always put forward. So, anyhow, good questions. Just well prepared and all those good things. Um, so, good morning. Uh, it's Sunday, August. August. <laughs> no, it's not August yet, is it? It's February. February 5th. And we are in Galatians 4. Um, we skipped Galatians 4 last week because the world was, is going to hell in a handbasket sometimes. But yeah, we're going to be back on Galatians 4. Um, So I guess we should kind of look a little bit at three since it's been a couple weeks, like just a little bit at the end of three. And I think the end of three is is uh, fantastic. So pardon me. Um, so let's look at that real quick. Really, I mean, if you just look at the very last part here where it says um, in, in Galatians 3.25, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. And you belong to Christ's heirs according to the promise. So Paul is saying there's no hierarchy. There's no separation. Um, there's no, you know, hierarchy or lowarchy. There's no... You know, all are one in Christ. All are one in this in this faith, this ideals, and the great part of that is if you ever see literalists. I, I one time was on a podcast, and um, this Baptist guy who had a doctorate in philosophy, um, I mean philosophy in theology, and. Um, was arguing with me about this verse. And it was really funny because he was very literal about a lot of things until it came to this verse. And then with this verse, he started going, well, it's an old 
prayer that said this and that and what he's trying to make a point, you know what I mean? And got really like, all of a sudden his theology turned on. It was really funny um, to see what some people choose to see as literal. And uh, when it doesn't fit what they say, it doesn't become literal. But you do really have to like, you know, the Bible is a lot, it's a collection of letters, it's a collection of books and you do have to cherry pick. I'm afraid that it's not a perfect library that there are contradictions. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to accept, but that's just the reality of how this book is. I mean, it's, it's a collection of writings and stories and things put together, you know, over time. So not everything laps up. It's two different, you know, these letters are to different communities and different people. So you have to understand that. And um, so, you know, you do have to negotiate with things here and there. So, I mean, I guess it's not completely surprising that we have uh, different, so many different denominations that believe in different ways and think in different ways. But here's the idea, and stick with me. If you disagree, because I just saw we lost like three people right then. If you disagree, stick with us because it's important to... It's important to see why disagree. Like, don't jump off of a thing. Don't stop watching something when you see a speaker that you're watching and you disagree with them. Find out if there's any, you know, evidence to their word, what they're saying. I mean, does it make sense? Does it line up? You know, check it out. Look into it, you know? Not to just go like, oh, it's, I don't agree with that. Boop. You know, you're not learning, you're not growing, and you get stuck in a tradition, you know? Um... And there's some people who just only think that way and they're afraid to read anything that disagrees with them. But really, that's how we learn. And often I've been times where I've sat down and read things that I didn't think I would agree with. And I've changed. I remember one book I had, this book, it was called, I think it was called If Grace is True, I believe is the name of the book. And the first time I read it, I literally had like, I got a red pen and I wrote, and I had all these little red flags written in all these places because there were so many parts that I was like, I don't know if I can buy, and because it was talking that the Bible wasn't completely true, and there were areas in the Bible that they disagreed with, and so I put on these red flags, and was really concerned by this, um, this book, and it's really wild, because I came back and read it years later, the same copy, and I totally had no problem with any of the things that I had the, 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 uh, the red flags by. <laughs> You know, it's like, but I remember I had somebody, a good friend of mine recommend it to me and I was kind of worried about him after I read the book. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I thought my grace is slippery. These, this is slippery, you know? And, uh, so it's just funny how you change over time and when we grow and we learn and, 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 and too, how sometimes we grow in these like little subtle things and we arrive at a, we arrive at a place that's, that, you know, we're heretics to who we would have been five years earlier, but we didn't realize that we slowly became those things over time because we slowly learned more and learned a little bit here and learned a little bit here and learned a little bit there. And, and then we grew into something new. Into a beautiful butterfly, you know, and, um, and now we look back and go, oh, you know, Wow. My mind's changed on a lot of things. But I've also read like books by John Piper and people like that. I mean, I think John Piper is a smart human being. I don't agree with his theology, you know, 
at all, most of it at least. And, um, but I've read his books, you know, I never read Driscoll because I don't honestly, I just never felt like I really respected Mark Driscoll all that much um, as far as a, a communicator. Um, he's also just not my style, not like my type, you know, so just not. And plus I had met so many people from that church who'd either been hostile towards me and even people who'd left the faith who'd gone to those churches were hostile towards me because I had faith, you know, and thought like, you know, I used to believe what you believe, but I don't believe it anymore. And I'm like, I've never believed that. You know, I wasn't raised in that. I don't believe that, you know, but they were so angry and so hurt that I was like, yeah, there's something going on with this, this, uh, uh, this Mars Hill Driscoll thing. We got to, you know, so that was never my bag. Now, do I think we should sit down and have tough conversations with Mark Driscoll? Man, if I have the chance, hell yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, but, you know, I don't know if that'll happen. I think he's in Arizona now. All right, well, let's jump into Galatians 4 since we're here today. Might as well. <coughs> um, Galatians 4. So Paul has just come in and said, you know, neither male nor female nor Jew nor Gentile, for we're all one in Christ Jesus. When we belong to Christ, then you are Abraham, the offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay, now here we go into four. My point is this. Heirs, as long as they are mi minors, are no better than slaves. Though they, are, though they are the owners of all the property, but they remain under guardians and trustees until the date is set by the father. So obviously, you know, I, I had a friend whose, whose father passed away and he was a teenager, and he got a little bit of property and money when he was 18, and then, like, he got more when he was, like, 25. You know, this was part of the thing, and so he didn't, he had no control over this stuff, and there was times he tried to get control over it, you know, but this was how it was set up in his father's will, and um, so, you know, and then eventually he got it all, of course, um, and was ahead of it all, but th th that's what the, the point that, that, that Paul's making here. You know, so with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elements, elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children of God, has sent his spirit, his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you no longer slave, but a child. And if a child then is also an heir through God. So what he's saying was, is the law was there for us for protective custody. Now this comes back to the whole really interesting thing of what it feels like Paul is saying here. As basically, I mean, like if you were, if I was to take this book for face value, okay, just as a loan. I would be thinking to myself, did Jesus come to just release us from the law? You know, because Paul's going and saying basically what Jesus is doing is bringing back the original promise, the promise that Abraham received. You know, and so was it that Christ had to come to set us free from the law of Moses? And it's really funny because he doesn't mention Moses a whole lot in this book. If I mean, he might mention him once or twice, but I'm not sure. Um, I, I know we're going to get into something talking about some of those things, so let's see, maybe we'll hit it. But anyhow, 
so it's almost as though Christ has come as to set us free from this this temporary custody that we were under. This this uh, you know the uh, you know we had to be under the the guardians of our the, the guardians of the galaxy, the guardians, the law, the law was our guardians for a time. Um, it's it's really it's interesting. And eight, it goes formally. When you did not know God, you were enslaved to beings that by nature are not gods. Now, how, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn your back again to these weak and beagerly elementary spirits? How can you want to be enslaved to them again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that my work for you may have been wasted. Now, this is really interesting part here is because Paul's been hitting um, the Judaizers pretty hard. But now he's also hitting the Gauls because the Gauls had certain holidays as well and certain things and certain elements and like they worshiped the waters and the mountains and the sky and, you know, and the Gauls were, you know, well, we have one God and this is how it works. And so what he's doing is he's hitting both groups right in between the eyes. You know, um, he's saying, like, these these aren't the things. You know, the law is not the thing, and you're and this other, you know, worshiping the sky, and these aren't the things. It's just this is not the answer here. And then when you go back to this and you become slaves to these things, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you're equal with slaves when you're slaves to these things. And what he's saying is when we are free through Christ, you are free. You are free indeed. And so Paul's saying, I'm afraid that I've wasted all my work, all my message, this whole thing of grace, this whole thing of liberation, this whole thing of saying, telling you if you're free from the law. I feel like I've wasted this because you guys are all going back to your old ways. You got, you know, Judaizers are wanting to demand these folks be circumcised. You know, Gauls, you're wanting to go back and just go back to the other because you're so split that you're just kind of like they're you're, they're done with each other, they're done with. But but what what's happening is is they're so split, and this is what I think is really purely happening in the United States. It might be happening in other countries as well, but it's really happening here. Is they're so done with each other and they're so set in their ways that they throw everything out, including Jesus, including Christ, including grace, including this. The one thing that says. You are one. The one thing that brings them together, they're saying, we don't want because we have to deal with other people. Like, we want our cake and eat it too, is what they're saying. Like, I don't want to be with these people. Like, can just give us Jesus and give us our own club and leave these people out. And that's kind of been the story of the church for thousands of years is us, Jesus, them, something else. We don't care. We just don't want them. They're bad and they need to either follow our way or go away. And Paul is saying, this isn't how it works. This is not how it works. It is clearly earliest book written in the New Testament, most likely, is telling you this isn't how it works. And what did we do? We went and did the exact opposite thing because we didn't have the wherewithal to understand it or we somehow understood it through our own motives and our own lenses and made it about us. And said, oh, well, it's about, it's really just about following Jesus, you know, and no other religion, and that's got to be what it's about. And that's what we turned that type, this type of book into. 
you know, and took a few simplistic misunderstandings later in the book and really used it to ostracize and throw people into the garbage. And we're going to talk about that because it's very important. The end of Galatians being translated properly and looking into exactly what it means is vitally important because I've seen the end of Galatians used to make people feel like pieces of shit and not worthy. So, interesting that Christians were warned off the bat not to act like this. And all we've done is acted like this and always found excuses, reasons, and purposes to separate each other. You know, and now the gods are this god of the donkey and the god of the elephant. And we all want to have our, our, our elephant and our donkey and we want to be able to have our Jesus too. And Jesus, no, Jesus is with my elephant. No, oh no, Jesus rode on a donkey. Don't you remember in the Bible? <laughs> you know, we want our gods. You know, we, we want our group to be the right group, you know. And we have people like Paul saying, and me, and a few other people saying, no, 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 we've got to come together. We've got to argue well. We've got to work this out. And go, no, you know, kick them out. Yeah, no, they're of the devil. They're trying to make us back. You know, you've got like the donkey. <laughs> Here, pretend I'm the church for the second, and you've got the donkey, and you've got the jackass, and it's just keeping us split. And um, it's pretty pathetic. Because I feel like, you know, like even too, like if you were to make another like image, it would be like, like Jesus, donkey, elephant, you know, and like, this is how we see our religion only through these two idols. And so we have these two great golden idols, the golden ass and, you know, the golden elephant, and they've become our gods. And they've become what we decide who's in and who's out on based on those type of things. Or you could say like literalism and a more open way of looking, you know, uh, maybe thought by literal, you know, I don't know. But you, you see what these separate things, these, these, these things that separate us, um, you know, and some of the yeah, hierarchy faction, it's a, such a human thing to do, you know. And we set up hierarchies. I mean, when we set up hierarchies that sometimes don't even make sense. We have hierarchy of suffering. You know, well, we've suffered more and we've been through more. So that's often when the people in the Democrat side will be like, well, we've been through, we've been rejected by you bastards and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to reject you now, you know, because you've suffered like we had and you caused us so much suffering. But the fact is, is if we want the world to be a place worthy of living and a life worth living, these are things that we should think about. I mean, it really is an idea of how we live together on earth. This isn't about heaven. This isn't about hell. This is about a community coming together and learning how to live together and live well in life together while accepting each other's uniqueness. You know? Um, and, and I think it's funny sometimes that the people who also say like, hey, I want you to recognize who I am and my uniqueness and like things like this. But we also have a hard time accepting that there's some people who go like, well, yeah, I need you to accept for me that I don't understand that. That I don't, that, that, that's not for me. That's not my thing. You know? And... You know, I, so there's going to be religions who people in religions who think things that I do are wrong and bad and sin. But my thing is not to cut myself off from them. My thing is to understand them and let them at least understand where I'm at, you know, and we can agree to disagree. You know, there are plenty of people who think I'm going to hell, but I'd rather be able to have a conversation with them than, you know, and, and grow together rather than hold them off. You know, let them say I'm going to go to hell. That's fine. 
you know, let's, you know, save it till the end of the, the day, you know. If I can't prove my point, then maybe I should, you know, find another job as a communicator. Because <laughs> I've got high hopes. <laughs> um, so Paul says, I'm afraid that my work for you may have been wasted. Friends, I beg you to become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done no. You have done me no wrong. You know what it was. You know that it was because of my physical infirmity that I first announced the gospel to you. Though my condition put you to the test, you did not scorn or despise me, but you welcomed me in as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Now I think this is really beautiful because Paul's saying, like, even when you guys, when you guys were a first community of this divided group and you were still working together, when I came in sick, and probably he had eyes issues, is one of the guesses, and that his eyes were kind of like leaking grossness, and he was blind half the time, and, and people were like, oh, you know. <laughs> Especially back then, because, you know, you were, it was highly likely to die. If someone was sick and gross, you were more than likely to catch that and be dead, both dead. But he's saying, you guys showed me so much mercy you know, like, you legitimately, I had something with me that would re require a fear reaction, that would require you to hold me at a distance, you know, to be afraid of my sickness. Yet you brought me in as though I was an angel, as though I was Christ Jesus himself. You brought me in and you showed me mercy. You showed me tenderness. You know, you know what, and what is the next thing he says? He goes, what has become of the goodwill you felt? Because part of what Paul is, this letter that Paul's writing is that they've also turned on Paul. A group of folks have come in and said, Paul's not a real, you know, apostle. He, he never walked with Jesus. He wasn't the, he's not the real deal. You know, you shouldn't be listening to him. And so this is where the division comes in. The division comes in from religious leaders, surprise, surprise, saying, Paul's not good enough, you know, for these people to really become Christians, they have to go through Judaism to become Christians. And Paul has made it clear to them from the beginning that that's not how it works. You know, there's nothing wrong with the practices, but when the practices become about acceptance, then there's something wrong. Then they become idol worship. When it becomes if you belong or don't belong to a certain group, it's an idol worship. When it starts to separate humans, it's idol worship. And so that's what Paul's reminded them of, and that's why he says, why is your goodwill changed for me? Because their will towards them has completely changed because they're like... Oh, well, maybe he's not real. So it's got the Judaizers mad and rejecting them. And now the Gauls are mad because they're going like, you know, you convinced us to work with these people and we all could do Jesus together. And now they're rejected. So why would we even want anything to do with that? You know? You know, so everybody just wants to either like take Jesus to their own side. Um, so there you go. Um... For I testify uh, that it had been possible you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me. Um, that's why some people believe it was some sort of eye thing is because that and following line. Um, there's lots of different ideals. I saw, I think it was Steve who said that he'd heard that it was, that he was gay. You know, I mean, I've heard all these different things. Um, that would have been interesting. Um, 
Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And I have to say, um, 16 here, where Paul says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth is something that I really relate to this verse more than anything. It is like, you know, the power of this, this, this word here, you know, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Um, is is very powerful, and and the reason it's so powerful to me is because I feel like in my relationship with people who are very close to me, I've lost people who are some of the closest people in my life because I've told them truth or I've told them my truth and what I believe is truth, and they did not stick around to argue with me. Or they said a few little things and then left. Um, I have often been abandoned, mostly by people who are followers of Christ, who don't uh, like what I say. The people I've been abandoned by most are Christians who don't like what I say. And, you know, I don't understand what happened to the whole idea of concept of love in the Bible, where it says he never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Um, and if they do stay, it's usually not really a loving stay. It's really like a correctional, like all of a sudden they're there to correct me stay. <laughs> so, um, that's been really, that's tough, you know? And what's really bizarre is I've had at the same time, I remember one time I was, had some family members completely reject me for my, because a good friend of mine, uh, <clears throat> was a, was a, a, a trans person. And then I had another trans person who was really mad at me because I, I said something positive about, that I, about someone who was, who was a comedian who's made a trans joke. And so I remember I was stuck in these, I, just two people just really angry at me <laughs> at the same time. And of course with the trans person, we made peace and we were great and we're friends again. Unfortunately, my family member is not speaking to me anymore. Um, that's just what happens in life, you know that you find yourself in these moments where you've become other people's enemies because you're speaking your own truth or something you appreciate or something you think and sometimes you step on other toes. But Paul here going, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? You know, and I, and I want to say this, even if it's our, if other people's truths are different than ours, what do we gain by making them enemies? I'll tell you what we gain. We gain enemies. And what we do is we, we produce pain and hurt and misunderstanding. You know, there's got to be more of a hunger for knowledge, even the knowledge that we don't agree with, understanding why people, like, I can better speak to people who disagree with me if I understand what their faith is or what their theology is or what their ideals are. I can better have a conversation with them if I'm willing to understand that. Like, I know if I'm talking to somebody and all of a sudden I get the sign that they believe in this or they come from this background, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the argument because this is the lens that they're using, you know? And I'm not at that, I don't have that same lens. Like, I don't believe those same things, so I don't have those, the same boundaries, you know? I don't have the same rules and the same, you know, so I don't subscribe to that. So our conversation is, there's going to be times where we think we're right on the same boat and then there's going to be times where we're just like this, you know? Because there's going to be misinformation, 
and how we read each other. And so it's better to know like how, how can we sit down and read each other? And obviously these people seem to get an idea of that, of the difference and separate themselves from each other. Um, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. This is, Paul's talking about the, the, because I'm now becoming enemy for telling you the truth. And now he's talking about the people who've come in and done this. They make much of you for no good purpose. They want to exclude you so that you may make much of them. Did you hear that? Paul says it right here. They want to exclude you so that you make much of them. You know, so the Judaizers are getting inflected by these other leaders saying, you know, get, you know, exclude these guys if they're not going to get circumcised. And what he's saying is, is these leaders who are coming in want to be seen as leaders. That's their whole point. Their point isn't to help these people become Christians or to work together. They want their, because their exclusion gives them power and shows them that they're somehow, makes them feel that they're leaders because they're excluding others and keeping others out and they're guardians of the gates of conservatism or liberalism or the law or Christianity and that they, you must make much of me because I am the one who says if you could come or cannot come, if you can communicate or cannot communicate, you know, I am the only one who can let down the wall, you know, and that's, that's, that's what's happening here. And that's what we see almost every day in religion and in Christianity and outside of Christianity and now with the golden jackass and the golden elephant. You know, it's like more ways to exclude each other. Paul says it's good to be made much of for a good purpose at all times and not only when I'm present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish you were present with you now, and I could change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. You know, he, Paul's saying, I don't want to be angry. And obviously you can't read a tone. We've all learned that through social media. But he's going, I wish I didn't have to be angry. I wish I didn't have to say that I feel rejected by you, that you, you don't like me because I'm telling you the truth. I wish I could change my tone. I wish I could be with you. And that gives us also a hint of the humanity of arguing well within person. It's like, okay, well, what would Jesus do? What would Paul do? What would they, they would be able, we're able to show more grace and mercy to each other in person. Obviously, we all know that. If you have a social media account, we definitely know that. Um... And so Paul's saying, like, it would be preferably that we were together recognizing one another's humanity and being more graceful with each other, even in a moment of, of, of conflict, you know? So it, it would make conflict a lot less scary if people knew, like, well, I'm going to have conflict. I might have some conflict here, but I know that these folks are always trying to show grace or trying to be understandable. And even if we don't agree, doesn't mean I'm going to get kicked out of my house or kicked out of my community or heard or told that I'm going to be tortured and burned for eternity. I mean, and when you really think of the concepts of hell, it's really scary. It's really scary. And when you think that God wants to torture people you, forever, one is really terrifying. And then people you love is really terrifying. And then that you would follow that God is really terrifying. And that's for another talk. 
but I think there's a real big issue with hell and how we deal with it and what it says about our unconscious as well when we subscribe to an idea of eternal damnation um, for other human beings. You know, why would Paul spend all this time connecting people together if that, you know, well, we'll just be tortured forever and, you know, that's love. It's not love. It's just a simple Greek study of the word hell will help you out and get you away from the traditional idea that we've held for years. The church has a lot of problems, a lot of miscommunications, a lot of poor communications. And um, anyhow, I mean, sometimes it doesn't even feel worth the fight because when you fight about it and you bring up scholarship, people are like, oh, well, you always bring up scholarship when you don't agree, you know, and it's just like, you know, there's some people who just don't want to hear it. And I think that's why Paul's so frustrated because he's really hoping that they haven't gotten to the point where they are not, they're not burnt out by the conversation. And here we are, 2,000 years and some change later going, God, we're still having this conversation, Paul. We're still arguing with each other. And we're creating new laws. And now Jesus is the new law that we've created. And we have this whole law of Christ kind of based on our linings to which, you know, Caesar's, Caesar we follow, which political party we've subscribed to or by how we find our identity the most, you know, like that's we subscribe to and who we include and who we exclude. Um, tell me, you desire to be a subject to the law, will you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by a free woman. One by the child of the slave was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born through the promise. Now, this is an allegory. Now, the reason Paul says this is an allegory, hear me out. This is an allegory is because this would have been something, well, this one is something very strange for us to hear, but it's also something that would be like literally, so, so, so sometimes Paul actually tells us when things are an allegory, and that's pretty nice. Um... These women are two covenants. The woman, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now, Hagar Mountain, Sinai, is Arabia, and the corresponds to that present Jerusalem, for she is the slave, slavery with her child. But the other woman corresponds with Jerusalem. Above, she is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, you children, you who are no children, burst into song and shout, you who endure the birth pains for the children of the dissolute woman and more numerous than the children of the one who is married. Now, you, my friends, are children of the promise like Isaac, but you, just as at the time of the child who was born according to the flesh, persecuted the child who was born according to the spirit. So it is now also... But what does scripture say? Drive out the slave her and her children, and the child of the slave will not share in the inheritance with the child of the free woman. So then, friends, we are children not of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom in Christ, I'm jumping into five because I don't think this sentence ends well. For freedom of Christ has set us free. Stand firmly, therefore, and do not submit against the yoke of slavery. So what Paul is trying to tell them is when you guys separate, and when you guys separate, you become slaves. When you go back to the law, 
when you go back to these traditions, when you allow them to split you up, when you go back to your traditions, you go back to your traditions, and you guys take all your toys and go home, you have become children of the slave. You are slaves. You are slaves to these worldly ideas. You are slaves to these traditions. You are slaves to, you know, I mean, if you think about how beautiful and, and interesting this is too, it's like for a lot of us, like when you see these things being put, you know, oh, well, you know, my God's a conservative God, so we do this. My God's a liberal God, so we do this. And we become slave to these ideals to the point of who we love or who we accept or if we allow our own family members to be our own, to be friends or care about our own family members. I mean, honestly, you know, what do I serve? What am I a slave to? You know, well, look at your life. What dictates your world? You know, I mean, I'll say, yeah, I'm a slave to have finances because I have to pay bills and I have to do things like that, you know, but I still try to live a freer life than most. You know, I try not to let it completely, but I have kids, so that makes me a little bit more like, okay, well, I need this, I need to do this, I need to do this. But then at one point, who, who do you exclude others based on? That's a good idea. Like, who are you exclude others? Now, why do you exclude them? You know, well, I'm a slave to, to being happy and peaceful and being safe. So I exclude anyone who says anything I don't like or says anything that is hurtful, you know. Or I exclude people who are, you know, do not practice my sexual, you know, <laughs> my, my, my own way of living sexually. Like, I'm, I, so if, you're don't, if you don't have, you know, one man, one woman, then I don't want to be associated with you. And so you're slaves to the, your sexual ideals, you know, and... And well, because they're natural and they're comfortable, you know, and you just, and then you just, and all of a sudden you start, next thing you know, you're in the group of your own. And the sad thing is, is after a while you're in a group of your own and then you'd realize that, you know, you don't have anybody to fight with. So you start fighting with the group of your own and, you know, all of a sudden it's like the t fight for who's the most conservative or who's the most liberal, you know, who's the most right on or, you know, whatever. And Paul is saying, like, free yourself from these ideals and learn to live in a community. I mean, it's really tough, you know, but there's a, there's, there's a reason that this letter is so powerful, you know, is because it's not just a rebuke letter to these folks who are completely separated. It's also Paul trying to prove himself as a real leader, you know, and it's probably one of the greatest letters, one of the greatest papers written on grace. You know, and to have all these three kind of combine with each other, you know, it, it, it seems like a huge contradiction in a lot of ways. You know, a rebuke letter that's a grace letter. So to say that like grace, you know, to have grace for, and I think this is the fear that people have with grace is that it's not going to have any like arguing or rebuking or things like that. But yeah, that's going to be part of it. We're going to have to speak truth sometimes. But it's helping us realize how do we speak that truth? You know, and what is the, what, what lies behind that? What is the ultimate goal? Is the ultimate goal unity or is the ultimate goal to be right? Is the ultimate goal to be, you know, help others or is it to help our own lives and our own careers? You know, um, it's so funny because I've had different times in my life where I could have done things. Like had I waited five, six, five, ten years to become affirming for my LGBT brothers and sisters, I would have come in at the right time and I wouldn't have been 
like barely blinked at, you know, but I came in a little early and I just got, you know, and it was really hard. And now, you know, I'm at a place where I've been questioning my liberal brothers and sisters rather than going on like making my career out of this like really progressive woke career that I probably could have had, you know? And I'm like, oh, why? timing. I don't like the timing of because it doesn't, doesn't help me become a good leader. It doesn't help me sell books. It doesn't help me get people to come into the church. You know, those are, those are struggles, you know? So it's, 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 it's funny that, you know, people like Paul will continually test us and have us saying things sometimes when they're not popular or they're not politically correct or they're not, it doesn't feel like the right time. Um, but it's hell, it's worth it. You know, it really is gratefully, and I'm really grateful for people like the Apostle Paul. I'm really grateful for this message because it's worth it, because it's telling us to just live life, live life well, live life in a community, argue well, and, you know, you never know what's coming down, you know. And it's cool because, you you know, look back and go like, well, I'm glad there's some things I've been able to be early on at times, you know. I don't know. I guess what we're saying is, is, you know, thank God for the complexity. Thank goodness for the contradictions of this book and the power of this book. And at the same time, you know, the timing of this being one of the earlier Christian writers and seeing that this is still things that we're dealing with, I think should wake us up a little bit. I mean, could you imagine if Paul woke up tomorrow and looked at the church and was like, and he's like, could you guys, man, you guys should have read this book I read. I wrote 2,000 years ago to the Gauls. Had you guys written, read that, you would have never, you wouldn't be acting like this. And then you have to go like, oh, Paul, well, actually, we, we have it. What? <laughs> We've disappointed Paul. <laughs> Maybe that letter would fix this. Anyhow, I do like the fact that this boils down to like, be, um, be compassionate towards each other, be patient with each other, um, you know, make room for each, disagreeing with each other, make room for each other's faults. And matter of fact, if you see each other fall, make, make sure you help each other get back up. I mean, that's the message of this book. It is really beautiful. And um, we're on our way to really finding out more of that in the next uh, couple of weeks with, with Galatians. So, and I, this book, God, it never gets old to me. I hope we can all get really excited about this and and see a real reformation happen in the church. I mean, 500 years ago, Luther, when he reformed, you know, when, he, when his reformation happened, this book played a big part of it. And maybe this time we can play a big part of it and not have to feel like we need to kill each other over it. We can actually learn how to disagree well, argue well, and uh, learn how to be a community even with uh, different ideas and living, you know, we can, you know, allow our own convictions to be just that, our own convictions. You know, and like, if you really believe in the Holy Spirit, then maybe allow the Holy Spirit to convict people in their own lives and trust that as well. Anyhow, there you go. If you like what you heard today, revolutionchurch.com, um, you can support what we're doing there um, financially. We really could use your support. It keeps us going. Um, me and I'm, I'm trying to discuss some things with Josh. We're trying to make a decision. Um, it looks like we're going to make it through February, um, but we're still trying to discuss if we're going to continue to go on with the church or not. Um, but we're going to try to figure that out. But right now, we're definitely going to get through Galatians, and we're definitely going to get through Tillich. So there you go, everybody. Um, 
Thanks so much. Love you guys and hope to see you uh, again next week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.